in three two one what's going on folks welcome to 34 questions i'm your host 34 and tonight we have paulina in the building how you doing tonight paulina? i'm doing well thank you sure it is uh you know we're halfway through the week i don't know how you feel about wednesdays um but i'm glad it's here and i'm glad it's almost over uh so <laughs> i want to thank you again for your time and your uh you know your interest in sharing your story with me um and our audience for the if you are unfamiliar with the flow of the show and also for the folks out there who may be unfamiliar with the flow of the show we typically do a quick warm-up uh section and then after that we'll jump into an icebreaker after the icebreaker we'll turn to the wheel of fate where we'll spin the wheel whichever number it lands on that's how the conversation will flow and then after all that we'll finish out with some closeout questions sound good to you paulina sounds great all right for sure so let's uh just jump into the warm-up um my first question for you in the warm-up is what would you like the audience to know about you okay um so i'm paulina my pronouns are she her i um, am a queer vietnamese woman living in the bay area uh, a proud dog mom um, the oldest sister and yeah i love a myriad of creative things but mostly my priority right now is dance um and then i spend a lot of time with my friends i gotcha i gotcha um i will have some follow-up questions too so you have mentioned you know being the the, the elder and the eldest in your family as far as siblings go yes yes the eldest aside from my stepsister who's only she's less than two weeks older than me so we're the okay. same age <laughs> i was gonna ask you like how has that experience shaped you in a way like how much how much has been being the older sister like um you know a, contributed to your growth i know for me i'm an only child so I, I i feel like being an only child has shaped me in a certain way so for you being an older sister how has that kind of affected your life yeah that's a deep question right off the bat but i'm happy <laughs> to answer sure. i think about this a lot um so i am the oldest of three sisters um, not including my lovely stepsister, but we grew up, you know, mainly just the three of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's quite a significant age gap. So there's eight years between me and my middle sister and 14 between me and my youngest. Gotcha. Um, I would say that the oldest child needing to be the role model is a very real trope. Mm. Um, and so a lot of the time was spent trying to make sure I was being a really good role model for my younger sisters. And of course, that's something I was really interested in. But I think it put a lot of pressure on me when I was growing up, um, especially with such a significant age difference. Um, At times, I felt more like a second mom to my sisters Mm -hmm. than an older sister, which I wish I had felt more like an older sister and felt like we could connect on that level. Um, But I couldn't really do much about that age difference. And then separately a little bit about my family history. Um, So I come from a family of immigrants from Vietnam and uh, my mom is one of five and I'm actually adopted within my mom's side of the family. So my biological aunt adopted me. She's the oldest sister Mm. and then my middle sister is her child and then baby sister is adopted from my other biological aunt. Um, so we have also just like a pretty unique family dynamic in that way as well. Yeah. Wow. That, that's, I, I feel like I have more questions for that, but uh, <laughs> I will save, save that. 
um and i i got you i got you uh, i was gonna ask you do you think because of the age gap you guys have a stronger relationship versus i feel like sometimes when um a lot of siblings that i know in my in my experience the closer they are in age the more i won't call them issues but just you know little co more conflicts come kind of arise um but yeah for you do you feel like since you had it, that those age gaps with your sisters that um your relationships turned out better or you know there's less of uh, i guess I don't know. I, I don't want to assume every sibling rivalry, and I never had siblings. I don't know this, but uh, there's more competition, or like the the way our growing up, it, it almost feels like okay. I see my there's a lot of teasing, there's a lot of bullying from older to younger, and all that stuff when you're closer in age. But I think with you being older, you were already kind of aware, like oh, this is my sister. I'm taking care of them, and they don't annoy me as much. Which <laughs> say that's true. <laughs> Um, I would say that, and let me put a disclaimer, if my middle sister watches this, she knows it to be true. Um, I would say that growing up, my relationship with my middle sister was strained. An eight-year mm. age difference lends itself to, like, me being in high school and being 17 and her being nine. Mm -hmm. Um, it was just, like, a really awkward situation for both of us because she wanted to hang out with, like, me and my friends, but... I think for me, um, so I've always been interested in working with kids. I, that was most of my previous jobs. I still kind of work in youth development. And I think for me, it felt inappropriate to be so close <laughs> or to let her in on those conversations, right? Like uh, me and my friends are like talking about boys and like other stuff. And I just always felt like, because I had to be a good role model to her, like I didn't feel like it was appropriate to let her into my world and as far you. as maturity went. Um, she and I are a lot closer now. I just went down to visit her at school. Um, and that was super nice because she's in college and she's wrapping up her last year. Um, and so we've gotten closer as she's become an adult. It's been a really nice turn for us as far as being sisters goes. And then my baby sister, I still call her a baby. She's like 14. <laughs> um, I would say that she and I have always been kind of close. Like I just have always felt like the age difference very much lent itself to me feeling like a second mom and so I've just always kind of been her protector mm. um I will say that living out to the outside of the house while she's really going through high school right it we're not as close as I'd like to be just because I'm not home and I don't have the proximity mm -hmm. um but yeah growing up it was maybe a little bit more flipped, right? Like I was closer with my baby sister and my middle sister and I weren't as close, but now that the middle one is an adult, we feel a little bit closer in terms of relevance of what we can talk about. I feel you, I feel you. Um, and before we move on to the next question, I forgot to ask you the, qu the question that's most important to me, but I just wanted to ask you how you've been. You've been doing well, you've been doing great. How you been lately, Paulina? Yeah, I have been all over the place. I don't know about you, but October has been really wild for me between um, like work and dance commitments and just general stuff happening in life. I I don't like to answer with like, I'm okay and like mm. lie. Yeah. Um, it's been a bit of a roller coaster. I feel like I'm on the up though because I've had some time to really just step away and reflect on things, which has been super helpful for just my overall like mental and physical health um but yeah i would say today has been okay 
but yeah, sure. you know, yesterday, Monday was great. I taught a class with a friend. The weekend was pretty nice. So yeah, lately it's been, it's things have been slowing down. I'm feeling that like hibernation that comes with fall, um, mm-hmm. which is a really nice rest period for me because I'm used to just kind of going, going, going. I got you. I was going to ask you, you had mentioned working in youth development. Is that a like, I work in youth development too, but I am a after school site coordinator or for a high school. So that's like the kids that I work with. Cool. Are you, what's your, what's your age range or, or the youth that you work with? Yeah. Um, so I'm working in marketing right now for like a youth arts nonprofit, but mm. we serve high school aged youth in the Bay Area. <laughs> I will send you the flyer after this for <laughs> um, what we have going on. But I, yeah, previously I was a middle school teacher. Prior to that, I worked with like elementary kids in after school. So I've kind of worked with everyone. Um, mm. I would say high school, just not as like closely, if that makes sense. Like I'm not doing direct service right now, I, yeah. um, but that's so cool that you work in youth development as well. I love that. <laughs> yeah, um, I work for the Y uh, and yes, yeah, for sure send me your flyers. Uh, I'll be curious to see what, uh, what you guys offer and see if I can make it work where, where I'm at. Um, but yeah, that's, that, that's pretty dope. And being a teacher, like that's one of those things for me where I can't really imagine myself being a teacher as much as I do uh, work with the youth and I enjoy it a lot. Um, I always felt like the teacher dynamic, not even the teacher dynamic. I think that's cool for me. It's, it's more so, um, and I'm not knocking any teachers out there. It's just more so for me, like how at public schools, at least, there's always not restrictions, but these things that you need to abide by to make sure that like things are, the grants are being um, met or, you know, just money's coming through because, and as a teacher, you kind of have to do things that you may not feel is right in your, within your heart, but you got to do it because, you know, it's like working for a corporation. You just got to keep the machine moving. Um, for, for you, like, uh, let me ask you what, what kind of inspired you to get into teaching. And, um, and why did you make that switch out of it, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah. Um, I've always loved working with kids. I After school was like definitely, I feel like after school was a really great fit for me because you kind of, you kind of get to work with them at a time of day that they get to decompress and they get to kind of just like be themselves maybe for the first time in the day. Um, and so I, I had worked in an AmeriCorps program for a couple of years out of college. Um, and then I was like, okay, I need to figure out what my next step is. And a position opened up at a charter school. Um, I'm not, so I have a bit of an unconventional teaching background. I'm not credentialed. I had what Santa Clara County and I'm sure other counties call a provisional internship permit, which mm-hmm. basically allows you if you have a bachelor's and basically the school really wants to hire you um they allow you to work on this permit and so for the close to two years I was teaching I was on this permit um charter school I taught an elective course called leadership and social change and I created my entire curriculum for it um I got to work with sixth graders and I as much as people like to hate on middle schoolers I love sixth graders. Seventh Mm. graders, not my favorite, but sixth graders are wonderful. Um, And so I think at the time when I was teaching, it was just a really good fit between like how much I love working with kids. It gave me a little bit of 
creative flexibility in terms of planning my own curriculum, though other people are like, that's terrible. Why would you want to put in that much work? Um, but the subject matter was really interesting to me, right? Like being able to lead a class where I really just talked about leadership and social change. For me, um, I'm really plugged in in terms of social change. Mm -hmm. And so it, it was important for me. And I think being able to educate youth in a school system on those topics is uh, hard to come by almost, right? Like you have teachers who try to add into their curriculum and then sometimes schools and the way they work in terms of like bureaucracy and parents and politics, right? Mm -hmm. There isn't space for that. Um, and so we did a lot of like identity work and things like that. And I loved it. Um, my second year of teaching was 2019 to 2020. And so mm. we switched into virtual school and um, the county decided that my permit was going to expire before the end of the school year. And I just, I wasn't in a place to be able to get a credential, if that makes sense. Like I, I wasn't gotcha. ready to enroll in school. I've never been the kind of person who does both school and work well at the same time. I think my brain just has a hard time doing both. And so um, it was heartbreaking because I had to leave my kids before the end of the school year, um, mm -hmm. which sucked because we were in pandemic and it was virtual and I didn't know if I was going to see them. And yeah, it was, I think if I had, I had the option to stay through the end of the school year or had an option to finish out a third year, I would have. Um, the school I taught at, assigned to a mentor group and so I had had my kids in my mentor group since sixth grade and I would have liked to finish eighth grade with them and that just didn't happen but I did get to go to their eighth grade promotion so I got to see a lot of them in person and hug them and um, congratulate them on being able to finish middle school and after that because I had had nonprofit experience I just it felt like a natural progression to just transfer out and go back into nonprofit work um, working I worked in housing for a little bit that was a very quick six month stint housing is really intense um, and I think because of my lack of experience and maybe just stepping into a role it, it was really hard for me um, and so I switched into a different nonprofit doing like managing youth programs and stuff like that as well um, which kind of led me into this nonprofit but yeah I have um, I miss working with my students they still try to follow me on Instagram and <laughs> because because of the nature of how I dance, I'm just like, mm. we're gonna wait until you're 18. Like, I love you and I wanna know how you're doing, but I also still feel that like, I don't have the time to have that conversation with you about no. boundaries and like appropriateness. Um, and so, yeah, I, I do miss teaching, but teaching is really not for the faint of heart for sure. Like I have friends, <laughs> who taught through the pandemic and are still teaching and it's I feel like everyone's pretty burnt out so yeah for sure a lot of the teachers that I, I think I work with I think this year's been a, a good upswing you know like we talk about yeah. being a roller coaster sometimes uh yeah I think this year's been great it's my I've I my journey in youth development took me a long time to figure out that's what I really wanted to do like I was jumping from job to job a lot in a second you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> but yeah, I was uh, jumping from job to job a lot, and uh, it 
the job I'm at currently, I had to come back to. Like I had left it in 2017. And then after a few more tries at different dreams, I was like, I need to get back to the kids. So I, I've been fortunate enough to get back there. Um, there was one difficult job where I feel like was the closest to teaching. And I was a behavior, like a behavioral specialist. I don't know if you've heard of that position before. Yes. Um, and yeah. That's a hard job from what I have heard. It is. It is. <laughs> That's all I can really say about it. Um, that, but that experience, for sure, I think it was. It was right before I came back to the high school I'm at right now, and I remember telling myself like, okay, I know after COVID and quarantine, I was like, I want to get back to youth work, and this was like, okay, the, it was one of those jobs like they'll hire you, right? Um, so I got hired on, um, and it was very different from the dynamic i'm used to as far as like here after as an after school person I, I like you said you get to see them in a different way you don't see them in the classroom they don't have the same anxiety and stresses so it is really just like looking out for them providing cool things for them to do uh so that's what i enjoy about my job but being a behavioral specialist in a classroom especially working with classrooms that are like the classroom i worked in only had four kids um, and it was very like, you know, individualized. And for me, it was really tough to like get over what's it called. Um, and this isn't a knock on the kids at all, but what 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 I was struggling with is like coming up with like being with a kid that seemed to have the same, I guess, mentality or the same perspective on their struggle every single day and you can't really see a way for them to improve um and i think sometimes in if the if students can't get the support that they need then they're stuck in this like in, in the system in my mind that's what i'd call it um and the system just wants to push them out like okay we're just watching them but we're not really helping them uh and that really got to me Yes, uh, but it is a tough position to be in. I think there's a lot of behavior specialists out there who probably try the best they can. Um, at the time, the, my bosses were telling me, like, look, the best thing you can do is learn how not to equate your your self-worth or how you view your capabilities as a behavior specialist with how a student progresses. Because even though they don't progress, that doesn't mean you're, you're, you're not doing a great job. And I think I just couldn't get get over that. And I was like, you know, I really want to help these kids and I don't feel like I am. And I had to, and then I got the opportunity to come back to the school I'm at right now. And things worked out, um, but I know how tough it can be in the classroom. Uh, you mentioned sixth grade. And for the longest, until I got more older, I thought sixth grade was the most influential year of my life uh so if you felt that way with your kids i'm sure you know they they whatever you were teaching them at the time and i was gonna ask you like what big social change were you trying to like share with them or what what did you want to inspire them to do at that yeah. time yeah i would say it was 2018 to 2019 i'm trying to think so a lot of things that i was doing were also based on like current events right so we had an election one of those years, um, uh, we did a lot of identity work, right? So we talked about race and ethnicity and gender identity. Um, and as with any identity work, typically, like current issues come up. I don't think at the time when I was teaching, the most recent BLM protests weren't happening yet. 
but there were conversations about that we had to have about um, like COVID and racism against Chinese people. And um, I think a lot of what I was doing was holding space for my students to explore their identities and learn how to be more inclusive towards other people. Um, my school, I feel like my students demographically were kind of split between a mix of like white, Latino, or Latinx youth, Asian youth. Um, yeah, that was like the demographic makeup of my school pretty much. And so we just had a lot of conversations. Like I, I was like, we're gonna get really real in this class right now. Um, there's a really cool website. I, it's The name of it is Escaping Me Right Now that basically breaks down social justice and identity topics for mm. kids. And it's based on like age range. So um, the curriculum kind of changes with the range of ages that you're teaching. But I use that website quite a bit. There's a couple of them. Um, and it's just basically how to infuse um, like social justice topics and talking about identity and politics into like an everyday digestible topic for kids. Um, and I think what I loved about teaching sixth grade is that, I mean, kids, as with all kids, most behaviors are learned, right? And so you can really see how much they care and how compassionate they are. Um, and maybe if they weren't, you can kind of notice, like you were saying, like what about their environment has influenced them to think or talk about a topic in a particular way? And what can we do to help them at least open up their perspective, right? Like I'm not hoping to necessarily change their perspective, but at least to have a conversation with their peers and like a respectful environment. Um, and so, yeah, that was a lot of what we did. And I, I felt like I felt like for the most part, most of my students actually really liked the class, whether it was like what they were learning or just the environment with their classmates. And that was important for me was that they felt safe and like free to be themselves and had the ability to explore what are sometimes found as difficult topics. For sure. And uh, I don't think they'll fully realize what impact you've had on them until they get a little bit older. But for surely, I didn't have that kind of experience um, growing <laughs> up. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> just having an open space to talk with an adult about these issues that we're probably talking about outside the classroom. But to have an adult to do it, especially at such an early age. Um, yeah, I think that's super important. And kudos to you for opening it out hopefully they'll continue to shower you with uh, gratitude as they get older and be like oh i remember you as this person that just opened my mind up to so many ideas um, but i got you let's move on to the next question in the warm-up which is how would you like to be honored if there was a way i could express the energy you possess what sort of act could i do Ooh. I think something that I've been learning in the past few years has been um, that I need to be less afraid of just being myself and being authentically myself in all spaces, right? Whether that's with my friends, whether that's with my family, whether that's in the workplace, um, how I present myself online. I think 
there is a pressure to once you have like a a certain aesthetic or something that you've created for yourself right there's a pressure to always live within whatever image you've created um and that most of the time is maybe what we're projecting right like i'm projecting that i think people perceive or expect that from me um and so i think how i would like to be honored is that anyone that i've touched in some aspect of my life feels comfortable to just be themselves right like mm. comfortable to express themselves freely like i said i'm a dancer right like that is like such a like a way of expression that is very physical and like you know there's performance there's like sometimes people actually really get in touch with their emotions and dance and vulnerable um and so i just want i would hope that whatever energy i'm emanating in this lifetime is an energy of like authenticity that people feel like they can just be themselves um and hopefully not a mean version of themselves let's mm. let's say be themselves in like a really compassionate and gentle way um because i think we need more of that in this world like for pe people to feel like they can do things without a fear of failure and just to try things for the first time um and not be good at it and just have fun for sure for sure um now we know now we know what we could do i, I did want to ask you about dance as far as like what what does it bring what, what has it brought into your life um and yeah let me just start there what has dance brought into your life yeah i have been thinking about this quite a bit lately and i uh, so i don't keep this a secret i see a therapist and it is like a a part of my mental health maintenance um and it's nice because it's like yes i talk to my friends and yes i talk to my family but there's something about talking to someone who doesn't know all of the details on an everyday basis right and so we're actually talking today about how lately i've been feeling really accomplished um as far as dance goes like i'm in a place with dance that i actually really never first saw myself being in in terms of like directing a team and teaching mm -hmm. classes and um just having fun and feeling good right and uh this came up for me because i've been reflecting a lot lately and i won't name this family member but when i was younger and this is part of this goes back to my sister and this is nothing against her mm -hmm. when i was younger um i was really into singing and dancing like that was i wanted to be a pop star is what it boils down to and i so i did choir growing up i also took dance lessons um but choir was i was more into singing when i was in like middle and high school than i was into dance and uh at some point when i was in high school a family member was like you're good at singing, but your sister, she's great. <laughs> oh yeah. It was bad. Um, oh, man. And I've been thinking about this a lot lately because how different would my life have been if I had not been told that and my confidence in terms of singing wasn't just like crushed? Mm -hmm. How different would my life have been if I had chosen to pursue singing? and music and or just like creative pursuits earlier on because i think what that told me was that 
your creativity is never going to be good enough, right? And that is like, you're a creative person. I'm a creative person. We know a lot of creative people. That would have changed the trajectory of like what I studied in college. I probably would have studied something more creative if I felt like I had had the confidence to go after something like that, right? Maybe it wouldn't have been dance or singing, but it would have been creative for sure. And I think what it just told me was like, whatever's practical needs to come first. Mm. And so I've been thinking about that a lot lately because I really am in a space where I'm like, I never saw myself directing a team or starting one, right? Like I created and direct it. I didn't see myself teaching classes. Like a few years ago, I was like, mm, my imposter syndrome's too bad to lead a class. Mm. And I'm doing all these things that feel good and feel true to like who I am and they're creative right and so it has been wild reflecting on that for like the past month I've been sitting with it and I was talking to my therapist about it and I was like this is a weird space for me to be in because it's really validating my inner child who wanted to be a freaking pop star (laughs) and I still sing it's more of a hobby now for sure but it's it's validating for like the wound that was created when I was like a teenager um but yeah it's been really wild to think about and dance has brought me a lot outside of just fun it's brought me like physical and mental health benefits right and so um it's a really great space to be in and I'm in a really beautiful community um and I'm so grateful for that I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're at a space with dance that you feel accomplished, right? I think that's tough for a lot of folks just to even feel that way. Um, but I hear you with <laughs> with the change of trajectory, right? Like you wanted to be a pop star. I wanted to be a rap star growing up. Uh, that was like my first dream. I was I pers- pursued that from like 12 years old to 27. And then at 27, my dad was like, you're not famous. What are you going to do with the rest of your life? And I'm like, oh, and I was no. like... <laughs> And, you know, you you need that check sometimes, that gut check. Um, and, yes, I mean, that changed a lot for me, right? Like, I think I learned for sure at that time. So after my dad told me that, I was like, all right, let me still be creative and try to do something and um, try to create a clothing brand. Um, that didn't really work out. But one of the biggest lessons I learned from trying to be a rapper and not making it was that you don't have to hold on to something if you don't feel like it's it's you know if you can be real with yourself i think with the rap part of my life i was very like oh it's gonna happen like i know i'm good um but i wasn't putting the work necessary to do to make it right i was i was thinking i just need to make one great album or like even just one hit to get some traction and then i'm gonna make it versus being out there and doing shows and trying to network and get i was not that guy um i had this thinking that oh, I'm gonna make it because my songs are so great uh, but yeah it, it never worked out and then with the clothing brand similar thing and you were talk, kind of talking about how um, I think you had mentioned the perception of how people see you and then you try to almost like live up to that or become that because this is what people think of you happened really strongly with me during the clothing brand phrase um, I think I was introducing myself by saying like, oh hi, I'm, I'm Jan, and I like my, I have a clothing brand called Hello Hungry or whatever, and uh, I did that so often because I was in 
these situations where it had to be that way where it felt really bad for me i was like i'm not i'm not just this person who created hella hungry and i don't really want to tell people that i i want to keep that to myself and hopefully people vibe with it naturally um uh, so those two dreams kind of i had to move on from uh, which led me to this though which really got me reflecting on like what did what why was rap really important to me why was being creative really important to me and how can i create something that i feel like isn't for me and really for everybody else and those experiences kind of helped me build this platform and yeah i think it it's one of those things for me where i don't think i've gotten to a place where i feel accomplished um in in my spaces but i do feel like i got to a point where you know when people say things happen for a reason or everything's gonna make sense um i'm getting closer to that feeling of feeling like okay things are making sense now <laughs> a little bit but yeah i hear you and um sorry i would say more but we got to move on to this last question of the warm-up which is on a scale from one to ten how well do you know yourself give it a nine mm. i'll give it a nine because i am constantly learning uh new things about myself whether that's whether that's just like from my own self-reflection um i've been getting really into like astrology and tarot lately and i use it mostly as a tool for self-reflection mm. and i think that helps me to understand a lot about my um my like desires and thoughts and just how i have the power to take action over things and then mm. also how i might be complicit in my own suffering in ways um if that makes mm, sense it does and yes. yeah oh 100 sure. um, <laughs> and then i think outside of that i when i interact with my like friends and family right like i learn more about myself as far as they've seen a lot of different versions of me growing up um and how much i've grown and changed in terms of just like what I'm proud of, who I want to be, what are my goals um, currently in life, or um, you know, what's going on currently in my life, and then based on who they have known me as, right? It's really nice to be able to chat with them. So I feel like I'm constantly learning about myself um, through just like everyday actions. I gotcha. I was gonna uh, let me ask you: When's the last time you surprised yourself? You're like, oh, that, that's me. I can do that. <laughs> um, surprised myself. Hmm. It's okay if you don't have one, but just wanted to ask. Um, I feel like I mean I feel like doing this. I mm. I would say that I am a very public person and I, I don't mind being, I'm pretty extroverted, um, but I also, I think there's a fear in terms of like recorded formats of things. Does that make sense? It does. Like it does. Once no. it's recorded, it just feels so final. And so um, I also have a hard time seeing myself on video sometimes, it, not dance wise, but like otherwise. And so mm. I think for me, this was like, okay, we'll see what happens. And our, in our original conversations, it was like, is my team going to join, right? Yeah, Which yeah. if they had joined, that would have definitely been a buffer for me, right? Because then I wouldn't have maybe talk so much. And so 
yeah, I think doing this and also podcasting is so cool. I, yeah, I, I love what you're doing. Um, and I think, yeah, I think this is a little bit of a surprise for me. Cause I was like, okay, I'm actually going to do the thing. I'm going to follow through. It's different from like my everyday life and we'll see what happens. For sure. And I definitely appreciate you overcoming those, um, those barriers. I, I would say, uh, I know not everyone's comfortable being recorded. I I've asked a lot of friends and family and they're very like they i would say that's a very normal feeling of like i don't want to be recorded um uh, and it's really hard to hear your own voice sometimes or see yourself on camera so i, I definitely appreciate when folks are, are open to it uh and yeah i mean there i think that like this space does kind of challenge folks to to be more open at times because it's just a straight one-on-one conversation sometimes with a stranger uh if especially if they don't know me already um and it is what i like about it for sure is that it's for us this is the first time meeting and we're already like getting so deep into some topics which is um i i something i realized recently is that the strangers that I've had on the podcast and I've talked to them and then I see them in person, I still can't get over that meeting in person thing. I'm like, we had such an intimate conversation. And then now that we're meeting in person, it's like, I, I, I almost feel like they expect me to bring them back into that space. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. I don't, I don't want to like put you in an uncomfortable position. Um, so I'm, I guess I'm trying to figure out how to navigate that now. Uh, that's a new experience though, that I haven't come across. Uh, but I appreciate you. And uh, I think we have hit that moment where we will move on to the next portion of the podcast, which is the icebreaker. Um, so for the icebreaker, uh, you'll have 34 seconds to either do a this or that or a word association. Which one would you like to do? This or that. This or that. Gotcha. Uh, and then I will, uh, you know, follow up with a couple of your answers. Just be prepared. But here we go. I'm going to start the clock and just throw you out some choices. In three, two, one, time machine or magic wand? Magic wand. Vacation or staycation? Staycation. Sort by price or by rating? Rating. Books or movies? Movies. Growth or security? Growth. Group hangout or one-on-one hangout? One-on-one. Fiction or nonfiction? Fiction. And then win a race or win a win a debate? Debate. Mm, gotcha, gotcha. Oh, uh, let's start there. So, why a debate? First off. Yes, I I think I was raised to be able to have a strong opinion, though mm. having a strong opinion does not mean that your opinion can't change um, when you learn new things. And so, yeah, a debate has always been, I have always been a very strong-willed, outspoken person. And so I think of the two, a debate seems more intriguing to me. Um, I mean, I love talking, but I also love writing. And so I think the idea of being able to put your thoughts into like a, a format where you're um, getting to have a dialogue with someone is really interesting to me. 
I got you. Is there, you feel like there's an opinion that you have that you've had to, I want to say defend, but definitely just put your two cents in a lot of the time where you feel like it ha comes up a lot, it seems and like, you know, you almost get into a debate because of this opinion. Yeah. Um, I would say that I mean, there's a ton to choose from where I have really <laughs> strong opinions, but gotcha. in, you know, in the dance community, it's what artists you shouldn't be dancing to um, mm. or just supporting. And yeah. I will, that is one where there's like no room for changing my mind about it just because it ties in so strongly to um, survivors and sticking up for mm. other people. So yeah, I, hear I would that. say that's a, a strong one. For sure. And then the other one I wanted to follow up on was uh, growth or security. I think this is a, I don't, I'm 33 <laughs> and it's definitely been creeping in my mind, like which one I'd rather do. I, I think I'm still very much so in the mindset of growth. Like, I don't know why, I don't know if I'm scared of security, but it's more so like if I'm going to choose anything or between those two, I'm going for growth. It, it lends more, I guess, possibilities and yeah. So for you, why did you choose growth? Um, yeah, I feel like I've always been a lifelong learner. Um, mm. And that is probably in every aspect of my life. And the idea of reaching like whatever the idealized final destination of like, here's my house and here's just my family and the picture perfect like dogs and kids and things like that that doesn't really interest me like mm. I I do so family for me is like friends and family right like my friends are an extension of family and so I think my idealized version of life is just like one in which me and my friends and like other people are living harmoniously and have like are reaching their goals and are happy um but i've always considered i'm just always the kind of person who needs to like okay we're gonna like move on to the next thing like if something isn't working for me i'm gonna figure out how to make something new work um mm. you know i crave security in certain ways right like financial stability and like at some point, like the idea of having a partner that works out really well for me, right, is interesting. But I also, I don't think I necessarily like living my life in a box. And I've kind of always been that way. Like I mm. think as a person who's adopted and queer, I think there's just a lot of like, and an air sign, I'm a Gemini. Like I just always want to be moving and learning and figuring stuff out because there's so much life to live, right? And I think that is part of like the idea of building a legacy is that like, have I touched all the things that I want to touch? <laughs> like, have I gone to the places that I'm interested in going to? Have I met the people who I want to be in my life, right? Um, those are all really interesting things to me and I'm thinking about them pretty much all the time as far as like, I don't really like to be stagnant. So growth is definitely important to me. <laughs> I hear that. I hear that. Totally relatable, Pauline. Um, all right. Well, just a heads up. We have about 15-ish minutes left in the podcast. So definitely want to make sure to thank you again for coming by. I hope you're having fun. Um, we haven't even gotten to the wheel yet. 
which is actually the very next thing we're about to do. I'm going to pull up the wheel for you and uh, you'll have, what's it called? Oops. I should forget. Um, well, feel free to pass on the question if it feels too deep or personal. Uh, no worries. But here we go. So your number, hey, it's 34. Nice. <laughs> uh, 34 is, what do you think people see in you? I think the first thing people see is that I'm confident. Like mm. I would say that that's just like from the outside looking in, I think that is probably the general perception of me. Um, and then when people get to know me, they understand that I'm like deeply sensitive and I care about a lot of things. Um, and I think sometimes those are two very opposing uh, very opposing views of a person, right? Like when you see someone as being confident, maybe your perception is that they don't care. Like they're just gonna be who they are um, and not care about what other people think. But in reality, I'm confident and I really care about what other people think. Um, I'm like super deeply sensitive about a lot of things, um, mm. which is why the debate one is so heavy for me, right? Like I have strong opinions about things and I think I have like a very unwavering faith in things as well. And so, um, yeah, I think people would probably say confidence, but also like sensitive and compassionate would be the other ones. Um, and then I think, I, I think it comes out when you get to know me more, I'm a nerd. Like <laughs> there are certain things that like, once I decide that that's something I really want to learn about, I will learn everything about. I went through a very heavy like Greek mythology phase when I was in middle and high school. I hear that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, you know, Harry Potter and like all of these other things. Like right now I said it's astrology and tarot. Like I just bought a bunch of books to just learn more and see what it's about. Um, but I think that nerdiness translates into also maybe people perceiving me as being the kind of person who wants to do things really well, um, mm -hmm. which is also really true. Um, like, I don't think I probably wouldn't have started the dance team that I have if I wasn't feeling like I could confidently lead a group of people. Um, but yeah, confidence, For sensitivity, sure. compassion, nerd. <laughs> I gotcha. You know, the thing about being a nerd is that I didn't know, like, being really into some, like, a, a certain topic or subject makes you a nerd. I, like, I thought everybody was like that. We have our <laughs> interests. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, people who, you know, the, the typical jock, right? You're a nerd for the sport that you play. Whatever. Like, you know, we're, we're yeah. all kind of nerds. But I have had that where, um, you know, just this was somebody in college that probably had this conception of who I was. And then when they stepped into my room and seen my like Power Ranger figurines and stuff, they're like, oh, you're a nerd. And I'm, like, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm all like, what? <laughs> what, uh, what would the perception of you have been back then? Uh, this was college. Uh, and you know, it, I was a big stoner and I kind of still am, <laughs> but <laughs> at, at the time, I don't know. Uh, I, I grew up, you know, idolizing black culture a lot. Right. 
and um yeah i wanted to be a rapper so <laughs> i feel like the perception of me at that time was like even even to this day some people that don't know me or like will see me and see how i act will assume that i'm quote unquote hood or like you know something like that even though my closest friends will say janice not hood like <laughs> uh and I, I get it, um, but it's, I think it's because I have embraced uh, black culture a lot in my life. And I listen, I'm a big hip hop head. And, you know, this, the terminology and slang I use lends itself to, to the black community that, yeah. And so people would think I'm a certain type of way in that sense. But then when they really get to know me, like, you know, I'm, I think I'm a peaceful dude. I, don't, I guess I don't know. And one thing for me is that, like, I, I feel sort of. I'm not going to say estranged or detached. I feel like those aren't the right words. But I don't feel as close to my Filipino culture as I think some people might think. You know, I feel very American, if anything. Um, and it does feel, dis like, I feel disappointed in myself sometimes that that I feel that way. And I think this, this podcast is a part of me trying to, you know, try to mend a lot of that, that, that feeling for me where I feel kind of... Um, I'm not close to my family in the Philippines and I don't have those connections out there that I feel like I should. Um, but yeah, so that, that was probably the perception people had of me. Like you step into my room, I'm very artsy, creative, and I like to think kind of out there <laughs> um, when people might think I'm more reserved. Uh, but yeah, like uh, when you met me at uh, the, the event, like a lot of the folks that were there were very surprised to know that I was emceeing. Like, we know you as this quiet guy. And but in my mind, it's like, I want to be a rapper. I have a podcast. Like, I am this person that wants to wants to host and wants to make people feel good and create energy, right? Uh, so, yeah, um, that that also, I think, you know, um, changed people's perceptions of me. Or they, they would come up and be like, I didn't, you were funny. I didn't know you, you could be like that, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well in my mind that's exactly who i am <laughs> um, but yeah thank you for asking that um uh, and i think we have time for one more spin so i'm gonna go for it if you don't mind yeah sure here we go oh don't tell me <laughs> i'm gonna do it one more time i should have a prize for when it lands on 34 but i don't just yet. oh come on <laughs> That is hysterical. 33, though. Like, it's right on the, <laughs> on the cusp. Closer to 33. Um, this one is, what is your favorite thing about yourself? I think... That's a hard question. I don't think about this very often at all. Um... I think my favorite thing about myself is that when it when you boil everything down for as like confident and strong-willed and um, you know my my opinions actually change quite a bit, right? Like I think the the thing that I actually really appreciate about myself is my ability to adapt. Um, mm. And I think some people might see that as flighty, uh, for sure. Like that is something that like, I feel like I've probably been called out on a few times here and there, but I, because I feel like I appreciate learning and I'm a lifelong learner, like my ability to adapt is probably something that I'm like 
I know I'm always going to be okay, right? Like I know I'm、mm. always going to show up for people in the way I need to show up for them. Like it might take me a while to figure out how to get there, but it's it's something that I've really learned how to do as an adult, and it's like a little bit of a necessity too. But I. I would say it's something that I think I'm really proud of myself for because I think growing up, I always felt a little bit. I don't know. As an adoptee, I have some trauma around being adopted.、Um, sure. That is never was intentional and never was something that I really reflected on until I became an adult. And I would say that I used to be such a people pleaser. I would do everything in my power to make sure that people around me felt good around me and were okay, and that I was like fitting into their expectation and perception of me. And as an adult, the ability to adapt and figure out, like, no, I just need to be myself. I need to learn how to be comfortable in spaces and show up as I am, and know that, like. If I'm having a really bad day, like being able to say no to things, like I have such a hard time saying no, and it has been a journey to figure out like how to change into the kind of person that I want to be for my own well-being, but also just it it allows me to be a better person to my friends and family as well. So yeah, for sure. For sure, I think、uh, you know, the, even just the inner dialogue of I I can figure it out versus I can't figure it out, or like you know, just having that confidence, it, it's huge.、Uh, I think it. I have that same kind of. I don't know if it's a good or bad thing,、uh, but yeah, I, I believe whatever's thrown at me, I'm gonna be able to handle.、Um, and yeah, I don't know if I'm just in denial, <laughs> but、uh, <laughs> it is something that I feel like. It allows me to take risks. It take like I talked about jumping jobs. Pretty much, I've had like twenty jobs in ten years because I was never afraid of like, oh, ah, I can do it. I can figure it out.、Uh, and they weren't careers. They were just definitely just jobs.、Um, but yeah, it, I think if you have that feeling in there, it you can be more、uh, open to making decisions. Versus if I told myself, oh, I'm not gonna be able to do it. I probably would have stayed at a job that I wasn't happy at because I was like afraid of trying something different or new, or thinking that I wasn't going to be able to do it.、Um, but yeah, so having that, I'm sure, is going to push you further into the adventure you're on, to greater journeys or greater adventures. All right, Paulina, we have made it to the closeout portion of the podcast. But before that, there's a quick exercise. I would like to ask you to try out with me.、Um, it's called the thirty-fourth mantra.、Uh, you have the phrase "I am, I can, I will."、Uh, so I am blank. Oh, I can blank. I will blank.、Um, take a second to think about what you would like to say, and、uh, when you're ready, let me know so I can pull up the universe. <laughs> so go ahead. Okay, just to, I am, I can, I will. Correct. When you're, okay. <laughs> let me know when you're ready.、Oop. Yeah, I'm、surprise. ready. It's、All、okay.、Right. Here you go. Speak it out to the universe. 
I am whole. I can do all of the things I dream of doing. And I will continue to learn and grow and adapt as I continue on my journey of life. Gotcha. And if uh, you ever need a reminder for yourself, now you have that little audio bite <laughs> to maybe set as a as a ringer, you know, <laughs> for sure. Um, all right, Paulina, we are in the closeout portion. And my next, these are my last three questions for you. This next one is actually a question from my previous guest. Uh, so that, shout out to Julian from the Sneak and Stats podcast. Uh, Julian's question for you is, what impact would you like to have? I think right now my journey is heavily focused on being in touch with my sensuality and that is not just in dance but I think I'd like to think of it as just an overall awareness of how I'm moving through life right because mm. life gets really hard and sometimes we're just like going through it going with emotions um, and so the impact that I'd like to have is that I would hope that and it's probably through dance I would hope that I inspire people to live as fully and as authentically as they can um, in whatever space that they're in right and that part of that stems from being in touch with yourself and being able to like ground yourself in whatever you're passionate about whatever interests you um, and then apply that to everything else you have going on Gotcha. Um, my second to last question for you is what would you like to ask the next guest on 34 Questions? What is something that you would want to say to your inner child? What is, I'm just writing it down. What is something you would like to say to your inner child? Mm-hmm. Your inner child. Also, like to answer these last questions, Sue. Um, damn, inner child. What well, what age are we talking about here? Uh, would you say sixth grade? <laughs> Whatever age you feel like you have unresolved feelings uh, with. Clearly, clearly, mine was like my high school self being told I wasn't that great of a singer. Mm. Um, so yeah, gotcha. what is whatever age that feels like to you? I honestly want to tell my 12 year old self, my sixth grade self that rejection doesn't matter. <laughs> um, I think that like the rejections I had at that age really made me feel like that's when I didn't think I could do everything. And that's when I, maybe that's why I feel that way now that I'm an adult, but for sure, just, just focusing on like the negative aspects of trying and like what if things fail was like i don't know from 12 to 18 i call that my like great depression era um but also and i don't know if i should just you know chalk it up to teenage angst but it was a very tough time for me to feel any kind of confidence um and it didn't take until i got into college to feel like oh things are different and i can be different um so yeah i would just tell myself at 12 years old like 
don't hyper focus on like the negative experience that you just had that's not that's not how life is entirely and you got to find that balance like now that i'm older i feel like i found a better balance i just wish i had known that when i was a kid <laughs> um, yeah. for sure and then paulina my last question for you the question that ties everything together 100 200 300 years from now uh, our descendants are watching this video what would you like to tell them okay to not be okay it's mm. okay to fail when you try something or to not be good at something it's okay to celebrate your successes as much as you grieve in your losses and failures um, but what I hope is that through it all you learn how to be compassionate first towards yourself and then also to others i hear you we hear you and is there anything else you'd like to add before we head out of here thank you so much for having me this is a a delightful conversation i feel like even with your closest friends it's not often that you have a direct one-to-one -one conversation about these things so thanks for having me for sure, Paulina. Um, thank you again for coming by. I don't know if there's anything you wanted to plug as far as your dance team and, and the stuff that you guys do. Feel free to do that as well. Oh gosh, sure. Um, so I started a sensual movement group is what I'm calling it right now called Collective POV. Uh, we met because we had our first performance back in September and we're working on a project right now, but I'm going to be doing some recruitment in the new year for that team. Um, but yeah, multiple dance styles, including heels. Um, I teach dance classes at least once a month. Um, they're usually heels related in the Fremont area. And yeah, I don't know. I am just so appreciative and I hope everyone creates space for themselves to tap into their own creativity gotcha Polina um, and uh, yeah I want to thank you again for stopping by I want to thank all the folks out there if you're listening on Spotify Audio, Apple Podcasts or watching on YouTube definitely appreciate your time as well please remember to reach out reach forward as always much love and uh, we'll catch you guys next time on 34 Questions peace and it kind of fades out from